On today's podcast, we went to Instagram to find out your questions and we'll give answers. Welcome to another fantastic edition of the Ultimate Deck Podcast, episode 35. I should look into that. I have no idea ever. I Whenever actually you actually don't know if that's right either. I know it's around there. Yeah. What means we've done we've been doing this for over half a year. Yeah, we're coming for you, JJ. Remember when your wife thought we wouldn't do it for more than three weeks? And like, and now it's, she's mad. It's Saturday. She wants to hang out. The store's closed. She's like, what are we doing tonight? And I was like, nothing. I'm shooting a podcast. I'm, I'm not losing a bet to you. Yeah. That is not happening. So we've done pretty well. Like that bet closes on episode 52. And so we're not too far away from that. I don't think. I think. I believe this is 35. It's around there. Sweet. Um, Today we thought we'd try something. It's Shane Chapman here, by the way. Wade Laurent. Same two characters as you mostly hear here, but today we thought, let's do things a little bit differently. Instead of scratching our heads and trying to think, what are we going to talk about today? We decided to go to Instagram, throw up a couple stories and say, hey, ask us some questions and we'll answer them on the podcast. Turns out we have three people that follow us on Instagram. Three people super interested in what we might have to say today. <laughs> so, anyway. You, you gave them a whole, what, four hours? I did post that a bit late. I thought... I thought about posting it last night to give people like a good like 20 hours before we were going to start this. Yeah. And then I didn't. And I was going to do it first thing this morning. And then I didn't. So yeah, it was only up for like four or five hours. But we did get probably close to 10 questions well, that's from three or four time. different people. So Here we go. let's get started. I'm going to go in order. So some of you greedy bastards asked like four, <laughs> four questions in a row. Let's start with him. Rob. <laughs> First question comes. I was and so pumped that it wasn't like, when are we, when going, are we going fishing? fishing? That, was, that was the obvious <laughs> one that he, like, I don't know how he missed out on that. Yeah. Uh, the backstory behind that is that we've got this rep and you all know him because he's on Instagram as the LED light guy. We mentioned to him one time, like a year and a half ago that, hey, we should go fishing sometime. And I don't think we've ever had a conversation with him since then that hasn't opened with, hey, when are we going fishing? <laughs> he loves it, right? So he took deck commander fishing and... Yep. So we're going to have to good. make that happen at some point. It's just, a, it's tough to do in the middle of summer. But anyway, um, the first question is from the LED light guy. All these people are on Instagram. That's where we pulled the questions from. So go ahead and follow these people at the LED light guy. Question white one was, what does Wade really do? <laughs> so I don't know what to do on this. Like, I don't know if I should answer this like a smart ass or if I should just like. I think it's a smart ass question. So you should give a smart ass answer. <laughs> My, I'm confused by like the, what, like the way the question is posed. It's like he knows what he thinks thinks we want people to think you do, but he's what, like, what does he really do though? But I don't mean? even know what he thinks you do. Yeah, I don't know. So I, <laughs> so I look busy. I try to look busy most of the time. Yeah. I, uh, I try as hard as I can to not smile when the employees are around. I try to look like a grumpy old bugger. Oh, you don't want to get too friendly with the employees. <laughs> right. They're like, they want to hang out and drink with you then. So, yeah. um, yeah, I would say on the day to day, I'm mostly in the office. I like, Sits in the I, office with a frown on his face and then goes golfing. That's what Wade does. Yeah, I do. I've done really good this year about golf. I, I felt like over the last few years, I haven't got enough golf in. And this year I've done a pretty good job of like making sure that Wednesday afternoons I can get out of here and and then once on the weekends. So. Yep. If Wade's not here, he's either 
Like at the bank or he's golfing? The Deer Valley, yeah. <laughs> check, check the bank so, on Wallace Street, and then if I'm not there, then check. Yeah. Then I'm golfing. <laughs> yeah. So that's what Wade really does. Yep. Yeah. Sometimes he even sells the odd deck package. I think I'm in first this month. First place. Yeah. Now, Rob's like, okay, funny stuff out of the way. What's He's going to get to some real questions now. Number Question number two. Read it as it's written. Like, read it exactly how he wrote it. <laughs> good really? luck. Yeah, good luck. Okay. At the LED light guy. Question two. Grays and darks colors seemed popular last year or two. Any new trends? Part one. <laughs> that's, that's how it was written. Okay. Then he follows up. This must be the part two. It doesn't say part two. Part two, I guess, was like trends from A, designers, B, homeowners, C, manufacturing, D, DIY, no. DIY TV shows. Yeah. Do yourself. <laughs> do yourself it. <laughs> TV shows. And then like part three, he's one of the, he's the worst. He's one of those guys that like text you the first thought, hit send, text the next thought, hit send. He's, that's why there's four questions here. <laughs> As in, are there different trends from different sectors? So here's what's not trendy spelling. <laughs> Rob's spelling is not trending. Yeah. Dyslexia, super trendy. <laughs> Switching those letters up there. But anyways, okay. So let's tackle it. Let's, enough joking around. A designers what are designers doing nowadays what are you like when we see plans come in from a landscape designer or some sort of designer what are they doing what are you, what's popping up on the plans roof structures seen lots of pergolas right and so and that's coming from everybody that's whether it's our landscape designers at who's our landscape designer rusty shovel there uh, the Jesse? and then Jesse at landscape.designs I think is, is that what it is yeah I think so um, and then Premier Outdoors he's doing lots of designs as well he's always got some sort of roof structure on there yeah. inlays in the pavers so it's uh, yeah roof structures I think is probably the number one thing that I'm seeing from designers From the, so I think from designers too is and especially from the two guys that you just mentioned is like merging hardscapes on the deck and creating like an overall plan because a lot of deck builders and whatever they think about the deck space but they're not thinking about the rest of the yard as much whereas when you hire a designer they're you're usually hiring them to do the whole backyard not just the deck correct yeah uh, like we'll design just the deck or whatever but uh, most designers are going to take a kind of a holistic approach to the whole backyard and so they really focus on tying together the deck with the hardscape and the landscape and everything else and making sure it all integrates and flows together which is which is what you want. It's good. Like right? it's awesome to yeah. have that. So I like it. For so sure. I would say, yeah, designers, there we go. There's three trends from designers. For homeowners, what are we finding that homeowners are trending towards? The obvious one is homeowners are trending towards composite maintenance free materials. Oh, yeah. That yeah. one's the obvious one that probably didn't need mentioning. But I, and Rob's gonna get tickled over this, the LED light guy. Probably like lighting is something that more and more homeowners are trending towards. They're starting to see the benefit of adding a little bit of light to their space. It softens it, it creates a nice ambiance to the deck and the hardscape. It like and not just on the deck, but on the patio and up lighting for their trees and everything else. Like that's becoming a very trendy thing to do and for good reason. It looks amazing. Yeah. Um, and you can see in the dark. Well, that's all right. Great. Yeah. Anyway, um, 
<laughs> I didn't kill it on that one. From manufacturing, yeah, we should have been using our buttons here. Yeah. From manufacturing, what are the trends we're seeing from manufacturing? We talked about this a little bit before. Um, one of the things was some color trends. We're starting to see, you know what, I want to talk about that. We're going to get a chance to talk about that later. Probably the biggest trend that I've seen from manufacturers is their um, aggressive price points. They're They're doing like a better price point on most of their composites yep. composites and then they're doing like they're rather than having five or seven different colors mixed into a board they're limiting that to three or four you know drops of color to so you can still have a streak board it just doesn't have as much streaking in it and so, drops of color yeah hate to give out too many secrets so i don't want to yeah. i don't want to talk about <laughs> how uh, the industry is actually right yeah touchy subject uh like i know that <laughs> the brand the brand we're not supposed to mention anymore TimberTech is trying to make trends with multi-width decking but they're the only ones that have really done it so far will it catch on I don't know like there's certainly some builders out there in the Instagram community that have latched onto that and they're playing with it whether this is kind of like a like a short-lived trend or not like whether they're just playing with it because it's something new and then eventually it's gonna be like ah, is there really any point to this or is it just interesting because it's new We'll see. I don't see anybody else, any other manufacturers jumping on this multi-width decking trend. There's always been like some manufacturers that have made a porch board profile, like a narrower profile. That part's not exactly new, but the way TimberTech is promoting it and marketing it as just giving the builder more creative tools to use. So I guess that could be a trend. I don't know. I don't think that's a trend. I think that's a, I think it's a thing. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. It's pre-trend. Like we'll, we'll see if it's a trend. I don't think right now it's a fad. It's probably more a fad than a trend at this sure. point, but we'll see. Like but it may grow into a trend. It might. Yep. Who knows? It might really go. DIY TV shows, DIY TV shows. I don't. So gone are the days of like the decked out and deck wars and disaster decks and all these shows that Paula France was pumping out. I don't know that there's a ton of deck specific shows out there. There's still, I don't like deck, um, sorry, docked out that Jason Varney ran there for a bit. Uh, like there's a lots, obviously lots of DIY shows that aren't specific to decks, but like, I don't know what that is. I don't know what that trend would be within, within TV. I don't know. Like yeah. I can't really come up with one there. I feel like they're doing a lot more, in the TV sector is being done towards the whole house, right? And they're like, they're renewing entire houses. They're doing the rooms inside. They're doing the kitchens. They're also doing outside, right? And so, because that's kind of how you would reno a house. That's like the real world. Yeah. You don't just show up and be like, okay, well, I'm just doing my deck now. You know, I feel like you'd take on the whole thing. So, and I guess the trend, if we're to, if we're to talk back about when those shows were on the air and, whatnot i guess the trend there was like to your point was like this isn't just a deck anymore it's not just like what's a deck to you oh it's a rectangle where i have beers sometimes my friends no now it's like no you have a lit there's not just a deck there's a living room portion to the deck and then there's a lounge area and there's an outdoor kitchen area and then it ties in and flows down to this patio area where like there's all these different rooms so maybe that's a trend that the diy networks have kind of brought was like spend some money and create not just a deck, but like an outdoor house. Like like you have components to it now that it's just cheaper to build outside, right. Than it is to do than to build inside. So maybe when they started all those shows, it was a fad. 
now building outside as a trend. It definitely turned into a trend. Like right? people are people so, are spending money outside like they didn't do before. Yeah, that's correct. So, yep. Anyways, how's it? We end up finding a good answer for that one. There you go. Um, the next question we're going to tackle now that Rob's done talking. Finally. Jeez. <laughs> is from LMR Vinyl. I think November. We should go fishing in November. There's a lot going on in November. I think we, like, maybe December. Down in the States. Why don't we go fishing Jack in the X States? Deck there. We are we allowed trade to fish in the here. States? I don't know what the rules are about that. Well, can't, we're all Canadians. Can't no work down there. Need to, yeah, that's right. <laughs> Elmar Vinyl, who, they are kind of like a distributor slash dealer. Yeah, just like us. Father-son team. Yeah, father-son team in Ontario. <laughs> um, at Elmar Vinyl, A-L-M-A-R Vinyl. Uh, and for Rob's sake, that's I first and then Y, not the, not the other way around. They ask, <laughs> what are your sales percentage of solid edge versus grooved edge boards? And so I tried to reach out to them for clarification on they wanted from this, but they decided that they just wanted to ask the question and didn't really care about an accurate answer. They, <laughs> they didn't reply to me. So now I'm just going to give them the stat. Like they entered it and then they just... So I think what the... What the story is behind their question is Elmar Vinyl distributes Wolf Decking and Vecca Decking. Correct. Two brands. And those two brands with their PVC lines only make solid edge boards. And so my guess is these guys are like, hey, are we missing out? Like, are people preferring groove boards? Are we missing out on anything there? That's, I assume, what the question is. So your guys' question caused me the most amount of work. I had to go dig into the stats, but I did it. And 28% of our board sales are groove, sorry, are solid edge boards. Correct. 28%. Yeah. 28 versus 72% are grooved. So the high majority of the boards are grooved, but that's because six of the seven brands we carry make grooved boards and then they make their one kind of solid edge board that's used for picture frames and stairs and whatnot. And then Wolf being the one that we carry that doesn't make any groove board at all. So that's how you come to the 28. Like probably 20% of deck boards that are sold are sold as picture frames and stairs and whatnot. And then that other 8% is probably made up by just our Wolf sales. Like, I don't know what that's, that stat probably doesn't mean anything. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like 20% of boards are solid, I guess, but... Yep. It's not like 20% of jobs are just solid edge. It's that nope. 20% of the material that goes to a job is a solid edge board because it's being used in an application where a solid edge board is desirable. Correct. So there you go. You're welcome. <laughs> Do with that number what you will. 28%. Yeah. Sounds like you're missing out on 70, 72% of the market. That's what I think. I don't know if that's what that means. You but better load up on some grooved edge. Buy no a router kidding. bit. The next question is from Sousa Outdoor Living. Did he change his name? He must have. It wasn't always Sousa Outdoor Living. It was Sousa Construction, I thought. Yeah. Good move on the Outdoor Living. I think that's a good call. Good thing he kept his logo in the same. I would have thought that was a different Sousa. Email and give us a heads up. That's fine. No kidding. So at Sousa Outdoor Living, who is a contractor in... Edmonton. Sherwood Park. Outside Edmonton. Leduc. Mm, I feel like I'm supposed to know it. But anyways, he's near Edmonton. Build some awesome stuff. Follow him. He's uh, he's really doing some cool things. And the last deck he built there, I don't know if it's... Yeah, he's a solid guy. Like, really, really good guy. Works solo for the most part, I think. Probably for the best. His his last deck, or at least the last one I remember him posting about, he 
took a step up and like had a brought in a designer to stage the deck with furniture and whatnot and got some professional photos taken. And like, that's such a good thing to do. If you can, if you've got a marketing bone in your body, staging the deck and taking professional photos at the end of it is a wise thing to, to do. Very underrated. But he did that. And of course, as it turned out, amazing photos. Why do the decks on HGTV always look so good? Well, because they bring in a stager at the end, that girl, I don't remember what her name was on those shows on decked out. Um, who'd come in there and stage everything. It's like, so like there's tables and chairs set up and not just tables and chairs, but like napkins and plates and cutlery. And it's like the whole space then looks inviting and looks as you would use it. There's no imagination left and it's all like color coordinated and it just looks beyond good. Anyways. So he did that. Yeah. He did that one time. Let's get to his question. How do you, (laughs) how do you qualify clients without being an eggplant? (laughs) What? (laughs) <laughs> That's one of my favorite emojis. Look at that emoji right there. <laughs> yeah. So the eggplant is a, like, I feel like I'm a, guessing it's kind of like without being a dickhead, yeah. being a dick. So I don't know that I pull that off perfectly every time. Like I, that's part of my qualifying process. Actually. I'm a bad, I'm not the best sales guy. That's why it's a big deal that I'm in first this so, month. <laughs> <laughs> so I sit in the chair. So I think this, I think this, um, this question, this answer is going to be a little bit different for a dealer like us than it would be for a contractor like Sousa or so we'll give Any both, our let's give both answers, right? Sure. As a contractor, you generally try to pick your niche. You don't try to be everything to everybody. You don't try to build the pressure treated $1,500 deck for the guy who's on a super, super tight budget. At this, and then the next week you roll into a $300,000 deck and you do hit that guy's deck too. You're probably not doing both. You're probably not catering to both those people. We do. Like we sell materials yeah. to anybody who wants to build. If a guy comes in here, he's going to do it himself and he wants to spend as little as possible. Well, we cater to him. Yep. Absolutely. Guy, guy comes in and wants to spend three again, do it back here. We cater him to two. So we're trying to be more because we're on the supply side. We're trying to be more to everybody. And we've got different types of contractors that shop here. Some of them do the smaller jobs and they're weekend warriors and they just, you know, they single guy teams. So they do smaller decks and then we have other guys who are doing big projects. So we have to cater yep. a little bit more to it. So for us to qualify a customer, I don't know that it's as important to qualify the customer but it is like, we still need to know what their budget is and make sure that we're uh, kind of delivering to them a realistic um, quote, I guess, or estimate I think to them to make sure we're not wasting our time, not to qualify them as to whether we should be working for them or not, or selling materials to them to thought for them or not, just to make sure that we're more accurate in how we handle the situation. That's what we need to do to qualify. Correct. And I think we do a, I think we do a pretty good job of making sure that we ask that early on. Right. Yes. And it's like, we're, I don't want to be offensive and I'm not trying to squeeze every penny out of you. That's not my goal here, but I need to know what you want to spend so I don't waste your time and my time. And so I do it. Maybe if somebody didn't see the first part of the conversation, they would think that I was being a giant eggplant. But like I do, I am very matter of fact on that because I think that it helps with the efficiency. There is a lot of time spent wasted in this conversation of doing decking. Like you'll, you joke a bit and you spend a lot of time looking at products that you don't actually end up using. So it's already a lengthy process. So as fast as I can get to where we should be shopping, I try to get to that. I think I do it politely, but I think the, and that's the key. I think the question is posed from the perspective of he feels like maybe asking those questions can come across the wrong way. And it's like, no, you have to ask the question, but it's the context and who's asking it that can make all the difference. And 
where I go with this is our American friends aren't going to understand this whatsoever. But up here in Canada, there's a there's a big box store called Rona, which used to be Canadian, but was bought by Lowe's. Yeah. And Rona has these commercials that play on the radio all the time. And I can't remember exactly the words of them, but essentially it's kind of like take your project from. Wow. I can't believe our yard looks like this to, wow, I can't believe our yard looks like this. Same and it's words. like same words, but the context is like, oh, gross to like, wow, look at this. Yeah. And exactly. Uh, it's the same words, but it's just like how it's asked or the, the tone and the volume and the who's asking and everything can give that meaning an entire different context. So if you walk in there and be like, like, what's your budget even? Yeah. That's insulting. Like that's not, somebody's gonna be like, I don't know that I want to give that to you. But if you, if you, ask it in the right way where it's like it's it comes across as caring and it's in their best effort to make sure this process goes smoothly not because you're trying to get every dime out of them then they're going to be more willing to share that information for you so how do you qualify it well you've got to qualify them by asking that question you have to ask the question yep and then also i think that you build that trust back and forth because when somebody tells me their budget then i immediately guide them to a board or it that will work and so if somebody walks in and says my budget's three thousand dollars and I need it built, then we talk about treated. I don't, I don't say, oh, treated then. It's like, oh, okay. Well, you're probably going to need treated lumber. Like that's how this is going to happen for you. Yeah. And so we design it and, and it's okay. You know how we can make that treated deck look great. We can stain the outside board a different color. We can lay the boards on a 45. And it's like, then I've shown that I'm still interested in the project, even though it's not the most expensive deck we've sold this year. Yep. And so I, I think that's great. Um, so I did it today with the customers and I do it, we do it every day, but the customers today, I, I asked the question pretty early on because in our store, we've got products that range from, you know, literally 99 cents a liter foot up to $7 and 89 cents a linear foot and everything in between. So when they first come in, it's like, we always have to ask like, so what is your budget for this project? And I usually just give them some context. The reason I'm asking is because this Trex board over here is two and change a linear foot. And this ASIC one over here is seven and change a linear foot. So literally just your choice of maintenance-free decking, you were asking for maintenance-free decking, but just your choice in the decking can triple the cost. So if you're trying to keep things on a budget, I'm not going to waste your time showing you things that you can't have, that, that you're not willing to, to go for, right? Yep. And on the flip side, if you're like, listen, I want to build this once and I want the nicest looking stuff, then I'm not going to waste your time by showing you the lower end boards that you have no interest in. It's just a matter of like, what do I, how do I most effect effectively and efficiently and accurately show you what you are actually looking for? Yeah. But it starts with just asking the questions. And I think the other thing that I do a lot is I move people with that price range. So they give me the number 10,000. This is the number. They show them nice boards. Then I show them less expensive boards, but put lights in it. Or change the railing, right? Right, And so then they see that, oh, it's like this guy will actually work with me. He wants to, you know, he's trying to stay at that number and he's trying to move things around and he's trying to find exactly what works the best for us. So, yeah, I think you have to qualify them. And then if you genuine, genuinely care about their product, that will come across. Yeah. If you're a giant eggplant in life, <laughs> it will be, it'll be hard. Yeah. Harder. So that's, I think that's kind of like our dealer perspective on how you qualify somebody. What's really, I think the answer that Sousa is looking for, Steve's looking for here, I think is as a contractor who's, I think Steve's trying to move himself into more upper echelon projects, like more expensive projects. He's looking for higher budgets. 
How does he qualify people? It again comes out to just like asking for the budget first. But one thing you can do too, that'll do some of the work for you is charging for your estimates. And that's going to, that's going to weed out. And we've talked about this in the podcast before, but that's going to weed out all of the tire kickers, all of them. Yep. No tire kicker or somebody with a really low budget is going to pay for an estimate. And so you don't need to, to spend your time working with those people. If that's just save us all. There's lots of guys that can help them. hundred percent. So charge a little bit for the estimate. It doesn't have to be much. 50 bucks, 100 bucks, 200 bucks, whatever you want the number to be. Somebody who's about to drop $70,000 on a project or $150,000 won't shake a stick at 100 bucks. Don't show up in a beat up t-shirt though if you charge for an estimate. Yeah, be a right? little bit more professional. Yeah, things come in, sure. Like if you want to present yourself as a as a guy who's like got his shit together, have your shit together. Yeah. Show up with a portfolio have like be dressed well. Yep. Right. Yeah. Have some pictures with you, have a book that you can like take some notes in, be ready to sell a $70,000 job when you walk in there. Yep. So yeah. And you just got to tell people what you're about. Like I said, charge that estimate. We don't, we don't 90% of the people that you don't really, you're not interested in, not, I don't want, I don't want to sound demeaning to that, that market. There's they're important, but if that's not the work you're wanting to do, then save yours, both of yourselves some time and, and weed them out early. And for those who still call you, just let them know, yes, our rate for doing a quote is $100 per estimate. You can always rebate that back if they hire you, if you want, if you find it necessary, if it's, if that's scary to you to charge for an estimate. But let's, let's be honest. If you're quoting six figure jobs, there's a lot of time invested in that. Yep. You're on the site, like your initial visit's probably an hour long. You might be back for another visit before things are said and done before you kind of got the- You'll be back three up. more times. You're spending probably- three or four hours putting the quotation together. You might have to get some numbers from some subcontractors, which takes time to like, you might be, you might be three days worth of work into investment on a big job. So now you want to do that for free. Yeah. Now you're talking like store owner dollars. You're making a hundred bucks every three days. And you might have to charge more than a hundred bucks. Like if you actually want to get paid for your time, you shouldn't have to work for free, but that's going to weed out the, the tire kickers. That's going to weed out the people you aren't wanting to work for. Yeah. And, for a hundred dollars, they'll like, like Shane says, the people that are spending $70,000, they'll see value in that. It'll be fine. Make three trips to their house and they'll, all of a sudden they'll have no issue with that hundred dollars. Well, and they, and the, the fact you charge probably gives them a little bit of confidence. Like this guy can charge for his estimates. Like he's yep. in demand. Like they don't want to hire somebody off Kijiji. They want somebody good. And the fact that you, you know, all your, all your communication to them, whether it's your website, your emails, your phone calls, how you look, how you present yourself, everything needs to be appropriate for the market you're going after. Yep. And all of that justifies being paid for your time. Yep. So absolutely. And yeah, 10 by 10, 10 by 10 treated decks, send them to us. We'll manage (laughs) that. That's right. Cause they, they're the ones that should be doing the, like they should be doing that themselves. Yep. So, um, so I'm, I posted for questions on both accounts, mine and the deck shops. And so I'm switching over now, but there was a question that was asked. It was removed. Maybe there was a question that was asked that was removed and it was a great question, but they removed it. My favorite. And so I don't know why they removed it, but we're still going to ask it because we saw it before they removed it. (laughs) I don't remember the exact wording, but it was something to the effect of how much has Wade's hair grayed since you opened the store four years ago. 50 shades. <laughs> 50 full <laughs> shades. 50 shades. 
I don't know, but it has accelerated. We will uh, gray fast. We will post a picture on Instagram. So if you aren't already following us, uh, go to at the ultimate deck shop. We'll post a picture because just before we opened the store, we went to a trade show. Broke in. WRLA, the Western Retail Lumber Association. Is that what it stands for? Yep. And we got into that show and our store wasn't actually open yet, but we took a picture at the Simpson Strong Tie booth because they had a giant like joist hanger for taking pictures in. So we took a picture there. It's like a first picture of us kind of formally doing what we were about to do. A lot less gray hair in that picture for both of us. We were both a little bit lighter too. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Picked up a few pounds and a few gray hairs and isn't this great? It's fun. Running this business. It's good though. So we'll post that picture. You guys can laugh at it and see how much, see what four years looks like (sighs) running a lumber yard. Um, and that question was from Windsor Plywood Sherwood Park. Their handle is at windsorplywood.shpk, I think. I think so. Right? We'll have to look it up. You might have to look that, but I think that's how it was. Yep. Colin. Yeah. So they asked another question. This one was a serious one. What factors go into deciding whether or not you bring in a new line of products? Mostly how many dinners the rep buys us. That's me. That's what I go for. Yeah. yeah. You can wine and dine your way into our store. Yep. 100%. I, I probably assume that this might be more geared towards like lines of decking versus just any products, but I guess we can kind of answer it from both perspectives. For any product, it just needs to intrigue us and look like it could sell. It's got to show a value too, right? Like when we, the reason we opened the store was there was products that we wanted that it was a little bit harder to get and they were valuable. I Like we wanted them. Yeah. Right? And so if I think that it'll make the process of building better or easier, then I'll bring it in. I'm not, I don't look at it like whether I can sell it or not. I believe that we can sell most things. Well, we bring in tons of things that people aren't asking for. But they're yeah. not living it. They're not in it. So they, they don't. How are they going to know to ask? This for is it? the old like you the don't know what you don't know. Steve Jobs, right? I'll tell them what they want to buy. Right? <laughs> like that's sure. what he. That's how he felt, right? It was yeah. like, do you want to do? Uh, what is it? It was like market research, right? And it was like, are we going to go out and sort of pull the audience to find out what we should be doing here at Apple? And Steve Jobs is like, no, I'll decide, and then I'll tell them what they want, yeah. and and then they'll get it. And so a DIY, DIY or whatever they are, that person who's just building a deck, they don't even like, they don't really even know the options that are out there. And so do they want a camo deck fastener? They have no idea that it's there. Yeah. If we show it to them, it's like, this thing is slick. Put the clips in, bang all your boards together, go back with a drill, screw it down. Holy smokes. That's incredible. Some people don't even know that the boards are grooved, right? Yeah. Like so, hundred percent. Yeah. So for the accessory side, it's things like, does this product result in a better finish? Like by using this, do you get a better finish on your deck? The end result's better. Okay, then we're pretty interested in it. Yep. Does it make install easier or faster? Well, uh, we're pretty interested in that too. Is it a lower cost to give you the same thing that an existing product does, and somebody's found a lower cost way to do it? Well, then I'm interested in that too. Like there's a variety of factors we may look at quality before is, we bring something in. Quality is right? one for me as well. I want to make sure that it, uh, I want to make sure that it has, that it's backed with a warranty of some kind, because I don't want to be dealing with a company that's an eggplant 
right? <laughs> yeah. Right. I want like the people that I purchase from, I want them to stand behind their board. So, um, perfect example was Wolf. We had some fascia that there was like, there was an issue with some fascia last year and the response from Mark was like, solve the problem, send him as much product as you need to send him to make that work. Yeah. And then we'll manage it on our end after from then. Fantastic. Yeah. We had that with decorators this year. We had a, like, there was a die lot on one board that was a little bit different. Top deck was one color. Bottom deck was a different color. Phone to the distributor was like, what happened? He was like, I have no idea. Get the deck boards flopped. Like make sure that you get the right product on the deck. So the customer is happy. So those are the people I want to work with. Right. Yeah. You like, you went right to where I was going to go. Um, oh, sorry. Is that, you didn't have nope. it written down. I didn't, I have nothing written down, <laughs> but I was going to say, so it's a little bit different with accessories, but when we're talking actual lines of decking or railing or something like that, a big part of it is relationships. hundred percent. Like I'm not, I can't say for certain that we would have decorators in the store right now if it wasn't being distributed by McLean Lumber. Yep. If that, if decorators came to us from some random distributor from you know, Ontario or BC, BC or whatever that we hadn't worked with before. Or mail direct. Yeah. Hard I'm to know. probably not as interested in it, but the fact that it came distributed through a company that we have a great relationship. We just, we love the people that work there. It made it that much easier. It just re- removed one roadblock. It'd be like, Oh yeah. Plus we already get trucks from them. So that was a part of it too. Yep. So the logistics can make a difference when you're choosing a product. Like is this distributed in Canada? For example, uh, fortress decking. We've, they've pitched, like we get tons of brands pitched to us all the time, but in Fortress's case, it's like, yeah, it's a decent looking product. Seems fine. How's it distributed? It's not like we could put some here somewhere for you guys to kind of fill in. It's like, well, that's like, I don't want to deal with that logistic nightmare. Like once you have some distribution, then maybe we can reopen this conversation, but it's a little bit tough to get right now. So I'm not super interested in it unless it's a game changer. Like we do make an exception for Wolf. Yeah. Uh, we bring Wolf in direct in the States. We buy it by the truckload. So that like, that's a big commitment too. distribution's not easy. Infill's not easy. Um, but we saw an opportunity for a, like a product that looked fantastic. Great people that are working there. So the relationship side came in again. We had some people asking for it. We had some people asking some for contractors. it. Um, and there was a opportunity for an exclusive in our market. So that's attractive as well. Can we, is this something we can, that people can only get from us? That's attractive. Yeah. So like how did, and then other times it's brand important. Like Wolf's not a brand play. Trex was a brand play. We had to have Trex. Yep. Trex, TimberTech, Fibron, those are brand plays. Yep. Clubhouse, Wolf, you know, Clubhouse was a, we were looking for a unique product that wasn't available here right now. That was good. That was more of a quality play. It came out of Calgary from McLean Lumber again. That worked out really well for us. Yeah. You know, decorator, same thing. So there's a variety of things we may look at. Fortress was a, like an exclusive play. Regal was a brand play on the railing side. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Regal's everywhere. So like we thought we should have Regal. It's kind of the baseline and then, but we won't have options. So let's look for some things that aren't here. Fortress. Fortress. Yeah. It's yeah. It's uh, it's fun. It's funny also to hear people talk about not wanting something because it's everywhere. Right. it's like, well, I don't want to carry Regal because all the box stores have it. It's like, well, when you go to a grocery store, everybody carries Kleenex and everybody carries Coke. And it's like, well, you should just have that stuff because they're already looking for it. Yeah. No, no, no. I don't carry Trex. Home Depot has it. Well, that's stupid. You've kneecapped yourself. Yeah. Like, what are you doing? What you decided to not carry the largest brand in the industry? Yeah. So, 
Yeah, it's just, it, and it's also like, how much effort do you want to put into selling it? Trex, it sells itself for the most part. Like you, people come in looking for it, they're familiar with it. Yep. To sell somebody Clubhouse, you got to do a lot more educating because they've never heard of it before. So what are the, what are the features and benefits of this? You got to do a bit more work. So you got to be prepared for that work too. But I think primarily it comes down to, is it a good product? Does it make sense to us? Would it make sense to a contractor or homeowner? Because it makes life easier, quicker, faster, better. How, what's the price like? Is it a sellable price point? What's out there for competition? How does it get to us? Like what's the distribution model? Yeah. Those things all come into play. Yeah. I think that probably where we come at it from is we probably start on the, on the customer side of, of the coin when we start to make this decision. And it's like, does it work better for the customer? And then we kind of work our way back to the profitability margin stuff. Right. And then there's a lot of stages all the way along that it can be dropped or, or we can decide to not carry it. Right. But yeah. And I think now like our answer, our factors that we look at today in year four are different than they were in year one. Cause on year one, the <laughs> minimum order size would have had, it would have played into th- something big. Who right? will sell to us. Yeah, and that's why we didn't have Wolf for the first couple of years. Cause like, we wanted it. Yeah. We but couldn't write a check. It's like, you it. have to buy a whole truck and it's like, Oh boy, like we're not there yet. Yeah. We can't buy a full truck and now we can. So, you know, some, even back then, like somebody saying, Oh, you want to buy this brand of oil or something? Like you have to buy $10,000 worth. Holy smokes. Like, I don't think I can sell that now we can. So that's a roadblock yep. removed. So, yep. but there's still some products that would be, that would fall into that. You know yep. what I mean? Like there's yep. some things that just still don't make sense because they want you to order more than you think you can sell. Correct. We've talked about doing yeah, C cans full of different products. Right. And it's just like, that's just not an option. Like, I just don't think that we can do that. So yeah. anyways, um, final question is back to Sousa Outdoor Living. Steve, um, he asks, scaling your business, do it with employees or subs, subcontractors? Totally different answers. Uh, yeah. And this is a <laughs> and I think, store versus contractor. Yeah. And considering, considering we know Steve's model, I think it's probably, he's looking for an answer, but it's relevant to him. So in his case, both can work. Uh, depends on the context of the scenario. So decking is also a bit of a niche industry. We use a lot of subcontractors for our installs because it doesn't make sense for us to employ contractors that need work year round because listen, nobody's not many people are building decks between November and end of March. There's a company like guys in Ontario do that. They keep for sure. They keep their guys busy all year. So if you've got a milder climate where you can do that, then hire employees. But if you've got a sec, if you, if you're running more of a seasonal operation where you don't have work to keep people employed during that time, well then maybe it's better to look at subcontractors. You also need to, and I know context of Steve Asna's question is maybe you're going to get into doing kind of going beyond your typical scope of work. So you're a deck builder, you're comfortable framing and building decks and pergolas, but you're not as comfortable with hardscapes, but you want to start introducing it into your mix. Do you hire landscapers? Maybe not. Maybe you just align with a, another contractor that you can sub that portion of the job out to you. And then that makes a lot of sense. So Do can, what you're good at. I can tell you if I was in the industry building still, I would be, I would be following Sean's model to a T. Premier Sean outdoor. from Premier Outdoor Living. I'd be like, I'd be doing that. And it's nice I'd to deliver the full like, backyard. Yeah. Full scale. And I would bring on the people that could do landscaping and I would bring on the deck builders and I would be 
I obviously wouldn't be as pretty as him on Instagram. Like not even close. Him, right. Cause not I have too many gray hairs now, yeah. but man, he's got a, he has a good model going. I yeah. like that one. I'd do it. Yeah. So if you can keep your people employed year round, uh, then of course hire employees. That's yep. best. You have more control that way. You have more control over your projects. Like everything's just a little bit easy. I shouldn't say everything. Obviously having employees introduces other complexities too, but if you can keep them employed year round and that's your best way to hang on to good people that you can, can kind of control the final product a little bit more. Obviously you can control things with the subcontractor as well, but it's a different dynamic. Yeah. It's a different dynamic working with employees versus somebody who's kind of like your equal. You know what I mean? Like it's like, no, no, we're the company here. We're the landscaper. We know what we're doing. It's harder to, it takes another set of talents to be able to control a group of subcontractors than it does just your employees. Correct. But anyway, yeah, I think if you're, yeah, if you're controlling subcontractors, you need to do a really good job of vetting that. Yep. And then you need, you just need a clear plan, right? Like we talk about this all the time when you're hiring a subcontractor, he doesn't see what you have seen. He yep. has not worked with the clients. He doesn't know what you talked about. So you have to do a really good job of drawing that out for him. Yeah. So he can then see it or and it she also, can see it, right? It also doesn't have to be either or. It's not black or white. You can have a mix. You can hire some employees and you could subcontract some work out. So scale sure. that way. It just depends. And it depends also what you want to be doing. If you want to be managing more, well then maybe it makes sense to have more subcontractors and you're just the project manager and the guy doing all the logistics and and everything else, the selling and everything. But yeah. if you're on the tools, you probably don't have as much time to be managing other people that aren't directly under you. So, you know, maybe then you do look at hiring subcontractors because they'll be more independent. They, they know their operation. You just need to give them a plan. They can go to it. They don't require any babysitting. They are their boss and they like, yeah, I'd be on site, like be on the site, on the tools with employees and then hire a phenomenal office manager, right? Yeah. That's how you scale your business. Yeah. Probably you might guess, but so that was the end okay. of the questions. Okay, good. So that was not bad though. That was 41 minutes of questions we had there. Yep. I like that. We should do this again. Next time I'll give people more of a heads up. It's a, it's a good topic. Yeah, it just changes me, things up a little give bit. Give him a day, man. Give him a day. Yeah. So anyway, thank you to all those people who, uh, stepped up and sent questions into us today. Uh, I like that model. You know who lot. you are, Steve, yeah. Rob, Sherwood Park guys, Rob, Colin, Rob. Uh, who am I forgetting? Somebody else that was in there. Elmer Vinyl. Elmer. Those guys were all in there as well. So thank you guys so much for submitting all your questions to our Q&A version of the podcast today. Thanks, guys. Until next week, we'll see you guys later. Later.